It's good to be back, and uh, we've kind of had some other ministry assignments we've been working on, but excited to be here. Kyle called me, oh, probably a couple months ago. He said, Dad, you think you could come and be with us? Uh, and I said, oh, we can always come and be with us, the grandbabies. And so he says, oh, but we're not going to be here. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So today we pulled into the parking lot. The first thing we usually expect to see is uh, Beckett or Camden come running across the lawn, Papa! <laughs> and so that big moment was not there today, so it's like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> so today is Independence uh, Weekend, obviously, and uh, you would probably expect to come in today and probably hear a message about uh, our freedom in Christ and, and all those type things, but uh, you're not going to get that today. Uh, because I know that today is uh, the seventh, begins the seventh month, and Pastor Kyle was also telling me about the... Uh, the idea that this church and the church that we're currently with actually embraces this as well is taking that seventh month as just a time of uh, kind of taking your foot off the gas and taking a Sabbath and, and maybe just taking some time to rest and reflect and, and let God pour back into us as we continue in our year. And so really what I want to speak to you today basically is not a, something that's my strength, it's actually my weakness. And uh, they, they always tell you whenever you're preaching that usually you're preaching to yourself more than you preach to other people. So today, if you have to just listen to this because you're perfect and everything is good for you, I'm just preaching to me. You can just say amen and say, Lord, help this man because he has issues and he needs God to help him with those things. And so that's kind of what I'm speaking to you today about is, is actually in my greatest point of weakness in my life. And because for my life, I've kept pretty much three jobs juggling my whole life to make things work. And when Kyle called me, I was actually in the middle, well, three-fourths of the way through a book called Addicted to Busy. And so if, you, if today this message speaks to you, I want you to take some time to, to download that book, buy that book, whatever you do with that, because Addicted to Busy really was a great book for me at a point in my life where it actually kind of summarized and it kind of read my, read my notes and then it kind of helped me to learn and realize that it's something that I need to take a lot more seriously because... God does say this is holy unto him. And so with that being said, I want to kind of talk to you first of all about the, uh, the Jewish tradition. Let us pray first. I want us to pray God blesses what he's put on my heart for each one of us. Lord, for every person that's here today, Lord, we, uh, we can't possibly know where they are in life, where they are at this season, how frustrated, how um, overwhelmed they may be. But Lord, you know. You know each one of us. You know where I'm at, and you know the things that you've inspired on my heart today are something that uh, are, are really true and dear to me, and it's something I've had to learn to grow and, and learn. And I just pray that as I share today from my heart what you've given me to share, Lord, that you would inspire each one of us to, to take that next level, that next step, that next moment of becoming closer to you so you can begin to really work in our lives individually and collectively as a church. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Aren't you uh, excited about the worship? I, I, I don't know if Ben and I can pick up a, a harmonica or, or tambourine or something else maybe in there to add one more piece to his, to his, uh, his uh, setup here. I've, never, I've seen a lot of worships for a lot of years. I've never seen a setup quite like, like that, but that was really pretty cool to watch that all take place. And I was thinking, I have a hard time chewing gum and walking at the same time. <laughs> So I played a trumpet, and so I only had to worry about three valves and just sit there, read the music, the black dots on the page, and it's all good, right? But to have to do all this stuff with feet and everything, it's like, whoa, can't do this. 
So Sabbath, a Jewish tradition, obviously we've uh, adopted a lot of those things, and I love restaurants like Chick-fil-A and some of those, I can't think of too many more after Chick-fil-A, but love the fact that they take off on Sunday and they just say, hey, if the Lord's not going to bless us for these six days, we're not going to make it anyway, but here it is, God, we give you back your day, we give back to Sunday, and, and so I think it's a, a really refreshing thing to see, but in Jewish tradition, the command to keep the Sabbath was followed to the T. Starting at uh, Friday sundown till Saturday night at sundown, it was absolutely adhered to. And one of the things that I want to bring out is this thing called the Kaddish Cup, which uh, was a symbolic tradition that as a family would go into this time of reflection and Sabbath every single week, rhythmically, they would make this a pattern what they do. The, the, traditionally, the, the man of the home would then take this cup and he would begin to pour wine or, or juice into this cup as the family would gather together, hold hands and pray and ask God to bless. And he would begin to pour this cup until it overflowed. And obviously you see the saucer at the bottom, it represented the overflow that was there. And as he began to do this and they began to pray, um, they would talk about the countful blessings that God will give him as he begins to pour this uh, wine or juice into this container that the overabundance cannot be contained is basically what they were saying there. Now, you can buy this on Amazon for $15, but you cannot get what it's symbolic of. You can go and buy this all day long, but you, you never will be able to download the part of what it represents in our life. And, you know, for me, um, I live life at full throttle, and it seems like the older I get, it just gets faster. My wife will tell you, living life with me is like on a roller coaster. It's like it's all out all the time and hardly ever taking a breath, which can be very tiring for many of us. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I want to do is create some rhythm. A lot of what happens in this symbolic picture here is getting in rhythm. If you, if you think about it, it's six days of work, rest, six days of work, rest, six days of work, rest, six days of work, and it's rhythmic throughout their whole life. The problem with a lot of us is that, that we get on this seventh-day thing, and it's never rest. And because of the online capabilities and some of the other outside ventures that I do, it's like it's 24-7 all the time. You're always answering an email. You're always, because they're on your phone, they're on your computer, it's on your iPad. Anywhere you go, you're always having to feel like you have to answer somebody. And because we're in an instantaneous world, it's like they want the answer right now. And if you don't, it just sets in. Well, this whole thing comes to life to me because as I've gotten older, I haven't always been this way, but I've become a, become a runner. And, you know, I don't know why it is when you get older, you just start doing things that are not, you'd think when you're younger, you do the running, but I didn't want to run at all when I was young. And now that I'm getting older, I just want to run. I'm like Forrest, Peggy calls me Forrest Gump. Just get up and I just run. <laughs> Where are you running? I don't know. I've just got my GPS. I'm just running. And uh, so for me, I just wanted to... Uh, I, I wanted to try to better my time, and so every day I would get out there and I'd hit the concrete or the, or the pavement or the sidewalks, and I would just run. And there was like for weeks I would get faster and felt better, and it was just like this was really getting good. But then I hit a lid. I hit a wall. It's like I could not get any better. It's like I got to a place where the more I did, the worse it got. And so I started talking to people who knew about this running. I started talking to to different uh, blog sites, and we get on there, and I would look at what they were saying. They says, the first thing you need to do is you need to rest. Your body cannot catch up to what's going on. 
And so the performance in my running was actually dropping because I was doing more instead of taking the time to get in rhythm with my body and my mind. And so they, it was exactly true. As soon as I began to take time to rest and put that into my daily uh, rhythmic thinking and my rhythmic plan, just started going now. And so now I get up and Peggy can't understand. She says, how in the world would anybody want to get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and run for like two hours at a time? Well, you have to be there. If you've ever been to that place, there's a zone you get in. Like the, the hardest of all of it is that first getting started. Once you get past that first mile, something begins to take place, and it's called rhythm. You get in a rhythm. How many runners do we have in here? Any runner? Look at, oh, you can identify, right? There's just something about your body that takes over, and then you start learning, I can start adding these things, a little bit of supplements along the way, and just goes forever, and it's like the greatest feeling the next day when you get up. Obviously, you're tired and you're sore, but so anyway, it's the same thing in the spirit world. That if you just keep going, 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 and you don't take time to rest, you just hit this wall, and you begin to realize that I just can only do so much. And so there has to be a time where there's rest that's built in it. So that's why God talked about in Exodus when he did the uh, Ten Commandments, says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And so what I want to talk to you today is what is Sabbath? Uh, what is Sabbath? Uh, Sabbath is basically simply rest. It's rest. It's something that... Uh, many of us, if I were to ask you to kind of define what your days off look like, I already hear you can identify with what I'm saying. Days off have not become days off. Really, they, they become catch-up days. It's, okay, my day off, I've got, this is crazy, this is my day off. Obviously, the thing I want to do is run, but I end up running, then cutting the grass, and then washing the cars, one, two of them, clean the garage out because I can't even get the cars in there anymore. Then the honeydew list, you got to do the stuff around the house, it's falling apart, breaking. And then it's five o'clock in the afternoon, you're worn out, it's like, oh, I'm glad I get to go back to work tomorrow. You know, so it's like it's a continual cycle. So rest, rest, rest is the, one of the most important things we can do. In, in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me all those who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And so as we look at our day off, somehow we have to figure out a way to get things done so that we can take that time to rest. So what happens when we rest? I, I, for, for a couple of weeks, I, I really struggled with how would I share this? How would I bring it out? And I said, well, there's some great stories in the Bible about Sabbath. There's some great illustrations in, in the Word of, of people who took time. But Lord gave me this acronym for the words rest, and I just want to kind of share as those came to me. As, uh, the first one was uh, the letter R is refreshing now refreshing is just a relaxing word just to say the word outright but when you really think about refreshing when you rest it does bring refreshing you know I've never been a person who um, who liked to sit still very long but I remember what this has been back when Kyle was being was in the womb we went to Lamaze classes and I remember they took relaxation classes I don't know if they still do that anymore but they did back then and they would make us all lie on the floor and this lady would talk you through these exercises of feeling your heartbeat and feeling the energy leave your body. Do they do that anymore? I don't, they don't do that anymore? They do. Okay, good. So I thought that was really good. And so I've had a few sports injuries over my years. And, and one of the things that uh, I would get is occasionally get a massage, but it was usually a sports-related injury, so they would target that area. And so 
Peggy and even the boys at times in their life would go get these massages. And I was like, that's creepy. I don't want nobody touching me like that. So I don't want to do that. And so a couple of months ago, I think it may have been a couple of months ago, we decided we'll go to Ormond Beach for a vacation, uh, kind of our anniversary. And so we went there and Peggy said, well, I booked us a couple's massage. I said, what? She said, yeah. And I said, okay, so I'm getting old now. Let it down and just go do the thing. How refreshing it was to lay there and to actually get this massage. And so refreshing really, uh, really does come when we do fully relax. Let our mind rest, let our, our body rest, and let it become something that regenerate, regenerates us. Um, when I rest, this is what I realize. Number one, I enjoy my job better. I enjoy the conversations with my spouse and my friends better. I actually am able to listen to what they say and take it in and have conversation. Many times when I'm not at rest, it's usually just whatever the task has to be. The third thing I found in there is I accomplish more and do more when I have rest and refreshing in my body. And so I, I consider that as when, when the Bible is saying in Matthew chapter 11, 28, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. You know, Christ is rest. We're, just when we come to his presence, we say that that's rest, but really Christ is rest. He, he is the one that embodies that, and he gives us this rest in our life. So E, exponential growth can take place when we rest. 1 Corinthians 3, 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. We can go at this thing all along and accomplish what man can accomplish. Or usually, if it's like it is with me, it's usually I'll work at something hard, hard, hard. And I'll try to figure it out and I'll work at it as much as I can. And finally, I get to that point of frustration where it's just not working by myself. And I say, okay, God, I'm just going to have to let you do it. And the next day it happens. Am I the only one or what? It's like, how many times is it that the harder I go at something and just finally just rest and let go? that exponential growth happens. He can do in more in one moment than we can do in a lifetime trying to make it happen ourselves. And so exponential growth can happen. And what the passage is saying there is we want to think that we do the planning. We want to think that we can water it and it's just going to grow. But what Paul is telling us here is no. It's not necessarily the one that's planted. It's not necessarily the one that's watered. But it's God that brings the increase. And I don't think that God is necessarily talking about the increase just in a plant growing. I think it's increasing everything that we put our hands to, that God wants to give us that exponential growth. Um, I kind of got lost on my track of my train of thought, and I kind of already covered some of the things that I was going to share in that particular point. But exponential growth really will truly grow when we begin to let go and let God. S, sensitivity can return. How many of us have said in our own lives that I'm just numb to it all? It's just like after a while, it's just like we've had enough of it. Medical field, I hear people in the medical field that when they first got into it, they would see people with broken limbs or surgeries or all these things that took place and how it bothered them. I had a couple of students that actually graduated out of our program that went into some nursing fields and they went into paramedics. And, and I would always, one of the conversation pieces that I would, would always use is, 
what did it feel like when you first came up on that accident or when you brought in that emergency victim that had come through that had been shot or whatever and their stories were like so colorful and just full of everything and then you could ask them that when you saw them a year or two years later and you'd ask them how that is going with them now and it's off just another just another somebody got shot just another somebody broke their arm off another whatever and it's like wow just two years ago it's like you would give such great detail to everything was it's because the sensitivity had gotten lost in that busyness of what had happened there i know peggy worked as a court reporter in 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 legal stuff and she would listen to the depravity of society and the fall of the family and all the things that took place and she would come home and share how much it bothered her and those things but then after many years of just sitting there and listening that stuff it's just like the sensitivity sensitivity is gone now it's like i listen to the same thing it's just the same old wah 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 I mean, it's just like we get so numb to everything. And because of our busyness, it breeds insensitivity. See, when I'm tired, I'm short and I'm snappy. And I snap at anything. Have you done that in your conversations before? Even with people that you love the most, it's like just really quick. I'm very direct. In other words, I'm very ugly in the way I handle things. When I'm insensitive, I am intolerable. I exercise no patience. If you don't believe me, just get on the roads, especially today. Everybody's trying to go home and see how much patience you have, and you're going to think, oh, he talked about it. I need rest is what I probably need. It just seems like our level of sensitivity goes up with rest, and it goes down with the pushing and the pressing of life. I know God can't be pleased. I know I'm not pleased. I'm not pleased with myself, and I know when I'm that way, and I can sense that it's irritable to a lot of people. But when I rest, we can be sensitive to the spirit leading us as well. And how does that look? When when we have rest, we see an improvement in our decision-making, don't we? We see an improvement in in the way we meet the needs of others. It's like when you're busy, you don't have time to deal with somebody else's because you're so busy trying to get yours done. And so when we rest... Basically, what we're doing is we're taking care of our bodies, we're taking care of our mind, we're taking care of our soul and our spirit. And Romans chapter 12 brings out the T. When we rest, transformation can begin to take place. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform anymore to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Without rest, we offer to God. Remember, this is talking about offering our whole bodies to him. Because I want to go back and it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. When we are not rested, what we're offering to God is minds that are cluttered and can't concentrate. We're offering souls and spirits that are numb and insensitive. When we're tired, we're offering a flesh that is tired and weak. And so really, when you look at that verse, and that verse has been preached many different ways from many different um, mindsets, but when I look at this as we talk about the Sabbath and we talk about rest, what we're really talking about, are we really giving our bodies to God or are we giving him the leftovers of what we have? And he said it that way in purpose. And, and I can promise you, if anybody didn't need a day off 
God didn't need a day off. And he didn't take the day off and the Sabbath day for himself. He did it to teach us what would be best for us. I, I read something, um, Peggy and I both, to follow up um, some commentaries by a guy by, by the name of David Giesek. And, and I looked at what his perspective was on that particular passage. And I want to just kind of read it to you. It is best to see the body here as a reference to the entire being. Whatever we say about our spirit, soul, flesh, mind, we know that each live in our bodies. When we give the body to God, the soul and the spirit go with it. Present your body means that God wants you, not just the work that you do. You may do all kinds of work for God, but never give him yourself unless it's rested and ready. And so I think it all falls into the pattern. So as we look at the, the recapping of the acronym, number one, when we rest, we have refreshing. Exponential growth can take place. Sensitivity can return. And transformation can begin to take place. In closing today, I want to share a story that actually has become um, a bit of an archive for many that have done research in this area. And it was actually done back in 1970, and it's been used many, many, many times. It was a social uh, psychologist, Daniel Batson and John Darley, recruited 70 students from Princeton Theological Seminary. And they told the invitees that they would be participating in a study on religious education and vocations. This study is now considered a classic at the helpfulness and its Achilles heels of the hurriedness of life. After participants completed a straightforward religious questionnaire, they were then going to be taken and delivered to give a brief talk either on the types of seminary jobs that these particular students would be well at, do well at, or they would actually talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. So let's recap. These students were brought in because they were specifically honed in on a particular field, be it religious. Now, you would think that people in a religious field may be a little bit more sensitive to the needs of people. So what participants didn't know, that en route to an adjacent building were going to be a man that was planted there. He was planted there on purpose, and that he would be bent over, and he would be acting like he was in a major need moment, crisis he was going to cough twice as each one of these students would come through. And so the, the experiment began to take place. The man was found doubled over in apparent pain. The experimenter's hy- hypothesis was that the hurried student was the less likely he and she would help, he or she would help. Therefore, they manipulated the study by giving each one of the participants three sets of instructions. The first set of instructions were, they were late and they should hurry over to the adjacent building. Number two, the assistant at the, adja- at the adjacent building was ready for them, so they should just probably head on over. Or number three, it would be a few minutes before things were ready on the other side, but they might as well go ahead and make their way over there. So you can see that there was a hurry, medium hurry, or you need to get over there right now. We're in a hurry. So the participants then were unwittingly divided into three categories, high hurry, medium hurry, and low, low hurry. In addition, as you'll recall, 
half of them were to experience the opportunity to share of the parable of the Good Samaritan that way that it's fresh on their mind as they walk past this need that they can meet. So it came as no surprise, really, as only 10% of the high-hurry students offered any assistance at all. Furthermore, only half who were headed to the adjacent buildings to deliver the talk in the Good Samaritan offered to be a Good Samaritan in any form to the suffering man that day. I found this note interesting from the research. Some of the participants in this category literally stepped over the victim on their way to the next building. I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> this is just not the average person walking in society. And remember, this is like 40 years ago. And here we are. Do you think society has gotten more willing to help or less willing to help? So I would say that these numbers are probably far greater than what they would be today. And if it would be this way, what would it look like if somebody were to be in our path today as we walked out of here? How many of us are already so busy that we wouldn't stop and help? I really hope that's not us. And I really hope that we would be able to take the time. I know the other day we were, uh, we, we'd stopped at this place called Yogurtology and I always try to find ways to eat ice cream and that just seems to be a little, makes them a little bit more sense to do that. And so we were sitting there eating and uh, I had no idea, but Peggy was observing this young lady that worked there. And uh, apparently she'd fallen on some hard times but took the job at this location and, and uh, I had my back to her and Peggy, I kept noticing she'd look over there and just a couple of minutes we got ready to leave and she went over to her and she says, did you miss your ride? And the lady said, yeah, we missed your ride. She missed my, I missed my ride. And Peggy said, well, where are you going? We'll take you home. And so I, I just want to say, honey, that was, that was great. I mean, that was perfect. I mean, that's exactly, as I was preparing this, I was like, here it is, right here, full case point. And so um, as Peggy took her home, because we had drove our car separately to the church that we were attending, and, um, and so she took her to her house and got to know her a little bit and found out that she had hit on hard times physically, got into some medical things that were just like tearing her body up and her kids weren't available to help her at all and found out she didn't have a bed. Part of her problem was she was sleeping on the floor in her own apartment and didn't even have a bed. And so Peggy and I, we agreed we're going to arrange to get her a bed. I mean, it's like what the least we can do to help somebody like that. Probably a single mom, who knows doing what, trying, trying, just trying to make it in life. And so I, I guess the point is, Thank you, honey, for being not so busy and so tired that you can't recognize and be sensitive to the needs of other people that are around you. And, and for, for each one of us that maybe God would plant somebody like that in our life this week, that we would have the opportunity to stop, slow down, be sensitive, and make a move. So if you would bow your heads, and I want to pray over you if I could. Um, if you're here today and you say, you know, Mike, I'm Sometimes I just need to take a deep breath. I need to rest. I need to really take this Sabbath thing the way God wanted me to take it and create some rhythm in my life. And, and, and that's you. I just want you to just in your own heart, just confess that to the Lord. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want you to realize these are the best things for us. That what God is wanting to do in and through us a lot of times just has to do with us having enough discipline to just follow what he's already given us to do. 
And I know life can get busy, and the Lord knows that life gets busy. But he really wants us to, uh, to do this because it's that important. Father, I pray for each person that's here today. Lord, as they are uh, contemplating these thoughts over in their own hearts and their own minds, some decisions need to be made, some choices need to be made to eliminate some of the other factors in life that are distractions and keeping us from finding the full goodness of your glory. Lord, you've given us the ability to choose wisely, and I pray that we do that today. Lord, for some, they're just, they're just worn out. They just need a break. We pray that that refreshing would come, Lord, as they begin to take time to rest so they become sensitive to the needs of others. You want to do a transformation in their life, and you want us to offer up what's the best to you, not what's left. Lord, work within our families, those relationships that we've run all over. Help us to mend those relationships, to go and admit to one another that we have just lost track of where we were heading. We pray that you'd seal these things in our hearts and our minds as we've listened to your word today.